Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Jess. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am trying to get in the Christmas spirit. We are coming into December now. No. What do you mean, no? I mean, I work in retail. Christmas. Oh. Christmas spirit is not a thing where I work. JK. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully everybody I work for decides they're taking oh. vacation, so I have nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, you work in a field where people can take vacations around Christmas. I don't. <laughs> Yay, for a small business? Question mark? I don't know. I mean, I don't get paid when they take vacation, but. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you win some, you lose some. That's fair. I would rather get holiday time off and not get paid for it. But, you know, we all have our own set of skills in minor retail. Indeed. (laughs) And I don't know, minor freelance. (laughs) Oh, I wish. So anyway, it's December. It is December. Are you excited? I'm so excited about this episode. And the more I thought about today's episode, the more I realized I actually know very little about the topic (laughs) we're talking about. I just like that it exists. So I thought thought this was going to go in a far different direction than it actually went in. I go a lot more into Christmas than I thought I would. Okay. (laughs) And Christmas is not as old as I anticipated it to be. I feel unsurprised by that fact. Yes. But before I go any further, I should probably give a little warning. Don't listen with like younger kids. Not because it's like scary or gory or anything, but it will ruin Christmas magic for you and them. If they Oh, yes. Listen. That's probably as someone who knows what the topic is. That's <laughs> probably a very good disclaimer. But yeah. So I guess let's get into it. Yes, I am so excited. And I think we chose today because it was timely. It is. We'll get there. Yes. Okay. Because I know that's your favorite thing for me to say. It is. (laughs) Segue into it. Let's get started. Episode 10, Season 3, Myth and Macabre Podcast. Yes. Let's do it. All right. So December kicks off one of the most popular holiday seasons here in America, Christmas time. It's my second favorite. I mean... I get that. <laughs> it's not like Halloween. It's not it's Halloween. You're right. my second favorite. I said, you know, one of the most popular. One of. Doesn't mean the most popular. <laughs> I think it is the most popular, I actually. But <laughs> And also Black Friday is probably the official kickoff, which is in November. So, you know, whatever. Close enough. I'm a December one kind of person. I'm, I'm with you on that. I am a respect the sanctity of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. I feel like as a society, we're also moving that way because, like, I feel like not as many things opened this year at, like, midnight. Like, it wasn't such a big deal. So my husband and I made, like, a comment when we were driving home on Thanksgiving that normally we drive by an outlet mall. Mm -hmm. And typically the night before, so in Massachusetts, which is the state I live in, places are not allowed to be open retail for retail sales Mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving. So people that are listening, I know other states, you can go shopping on Thanksgiving, like, right after you're done eating your turkey. These ones you can't go out till Black Friday. And normally when we drive home, the exit to the highway has like all these cones Mm -hmm. extending the exit as far back as they can because they're expecting like tons and tons of traffic to this outlet. Mm -hmm. And we were driving by and actually made a note that this year there were no cones up. It's the outlet that I'm thinking of, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Did you see the news? I did afterward, yeah. Like (laughs) evidently I was like, you should have put your cones out. But I do think that there's like a shift away from brick and mortar shopping on Black Friday. Yeah. I feel like there's more of a uh, online type situation. Anyway, okay. We're sidetracked now. We are totally sidetracked. Let's get back. So let's get back. Today, the episode is going to be about 
Krampus. Yeah. Which I don't know if anyone is familiar with Krampus, but we'll I talk am about like him. familiar in the most rudimentary <laughs> sense. Like I'm like I know there are horror Christmas movies about him, and I know what he looks like, but I don't know anything about the mythos behind him. I'm so excited. Yes. But before we can talk about Krampus, we need to understand the history of Christmas. So this is naturally this is where we you get... didn't think you were going to jump into Christmas with this topic. Well, I did, but I didn't think I was going to have like two pages worth of Christmas history. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a blip. Okay, I, I guess I can see that. So, all right. Give us the history of Christmas. So the history of Christmas. Christmas today, as we know it, is a culmination of centuries of religious and pagan traditions. It has roots all over the world with different cultures contributing to the different traditions that we celebrate today. That was a really hard sentence. That was, and you said it really fast. I was proud of myself. <laughs> I didn't stumble. But why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? So to answer this question, we have to travel back to 312 AD when the Roman Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity. Yes. Yes. So he made the religion legal. As a side note, religions at this time needed to be deemed legal in order to like gather and hold meetings. So him making Christianity legal didn't exclude other religions from meeting. At this time, all beliefs were respected as long as they had like the proper licensing to hold their meetings. Okay. So yeah, so all religions are respected. They're allowed to hold their meetings, you know, all of that, as long as they have like the proper paperwork to do so. So in eight, not in 18, in 325 AD. Those are very different dates. Very different dates. Constantine called the Council of Nicaea to solidify and unify Christianity because like at this time, Christianity is still kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. um, because it's still like coming together and forming as a religion. So the council at this time determined that Christ is a divine being and that Easter is the most important holiday for the Christian community. Which makes sense. Yes. If I mean, you, I think even to this day, Chris, like Easter is still kind of, I know like commercially <laughs> Easter is like a less exciting holiday because the Easter bunny is not as exciting as Santa. Right. But I think in terms of the like Christian calendar of events of a year, I think Easter actually is like yes. top bill. Yep. So that's when that whole thing started was back in 325. So up until the surge of Christianity, the largest celebration of the year was the pagan celebration of Saturnalia, which you're looking at me like you know what that is. I do. Yeah. So for the week of December 17th through 23rd, they would have this celebration. It was to honor the god Saturn and show appreciation for the year's harvest. This was a time of year which it was also difficult for people to continue feeding their livestock, so they would slaughter a portion of it. Meat also kept better in the colder months. Beer and wine would also be sufficiently fermented at this point of the year. It's kind of everything you need to have to have a celebration. Exactly. <laughs> lots of food, lots of alcohol. Yep. So they had, you know, like the best of the food. It was the freshest. And the beer and the wine was like perfect for drinking. This week was all about turning society upside down. They would close like schools and businesses. Servants could live like kings. Kings would serve servants. Everyone was it's treated kind of equally. cool to know that some of that goes back that far. It does. Yeah. So during Saturnalia, everybody was treated equally and they were able to indulge and enjoy in the debauchery. Debauchery. I don't like that word. Debauchery. It's a weird word. It is. (laughs) (laughs) So two days after the celebration of Saturnalia ends, there was a festival of Sol Invictus, which was celebrating the sun god. So if you're keeping track, two days after the 23rd is the 25th. 
So December 25th also marks the winter solstice on the Julian calendar. Which has since shifted a little bit. I think at this point it's the 21st or the 22nd. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the 21st because I think I know someone whose birthday falls on it. Constantine obviously couldn't ban these longstanding traditions in favor of creating new Christian ones. So he decided that a better way to do this was to make the celebration of Jesus's birth on an existing day of celebration. And that's why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. So everyone's already in party mode. The emperor basically just declared that it was a celebration for the son of God instead of the God of sun. Oh, that's a fun little wordplay. I, I was really proud of myself. That was good. Figuring that out. I'm proud of like, you too. Ooh, I like that. So while the Roman Empire was celebrating week of winter solstice, parts of current day Alaska, Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia. I'm seeing a trend. We're experiencing days of total darkness. Correct. Yes. I was going to say those are very, very <laughs> northern places. They are. You may also notice if you know stories of winter monsters that most of them come from these, you know, dark winter areas. Oh my goodness. I actually never put that together. <laughs> right? But okay. it makes sense because the dark is scary and scary equals boogeyman. Yeah. And if you're scary for like 24 hours a day, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in these northern areas, the winter solstice is celebrated as Yule. So it's like the same kind of idea, but like a different holiday. This holiday is yeah, named... Yeah, Yule coincides with the solstice. So. Yeah. This holiday is named for the Norse word... I don't know how to pronounce this, and I could not find a pronunciation, so I'm probably not going to say it correctly, but it's B-W-E-O-L. I'm going to say Buell. Sounds kind of like Yule. Your guess is as good as mine. Okay. So this word in Norse used to mean wheel. I also like couldn't find the current translation for it. Okay. Um, but from what I We're all read, still in that Yule yeah. circle. Like still in the Yule circle. But, oh, and I mean, it's a wheel. It circle. is a wheel. <laughs> We're on top of it today. We are. Obviously caffeinated. Yes. They use this word because at the time they believed that the sun was a wheel of fire rolling toward and away from Earth, creating the seasons. So okay. that makes sense. That feels right. They noticed that as, in their eyes, as the sun moved further away, it got colder and the greenery would die. And they also noticed that some of the trees and bushes in the winter couldn't be killed, which are evergreens. Makes sense. So evergreens. I'm seeing some traditions come together here. Yes. So evergreens became highly regarded as part of the winter traditions in Nordic regions. So after, this is probably like the grossest part of it. So I mean, if you do have kids listening, it's a little gross. So after a winter hunt, the people or the Nordic people would disembowel the animals and drape their innards around the evergreens as an offering to the gods. So is that the origins of garland? Think about that next time you're putting garland on your Christmas tree. I now want to have a super creepy Christmas tree. <laughs> Not with real intestines, but, no, like, but like fake Halloween ones. ones. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. That was fun. That's so gross. So um, <laughs> that's where garland comes from. You're welcome. They. I didn't know that one. A lot of the information you've been dropping today is stuff I knew. Oh, I didn't know that one, though. I'm glad that I could surprise you. <laughs> you. <laughs> I am both surprised and disgusted. That's that's my one goal in life, is to surprise and disgust people. So anyway, back to the story. They also believe that cutting branches 
off of the evergreens and displaying them around windows and doors would prevent angry spirits from entering their residences. So kind of decorating. So decorating wreaths and and like window decorations with like evergreen things going on. I didn't realize some of these traditions went back that far. That's kind of cool. I know. I didn't either. This was actually, I really, I enjoyed researching this far more than I probably should have. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I'm glad you did. Uh, I'm sorry. My nose is running today. It's December in New England. <laughs> Fair. It's, it's like congestion season. <laughs> it is. So like their Roman counterparts, the Nordic people held winter solstice celebrations, but they were very different. They were not nearly as debaucherous. Most people would stay in with their family, but they still ate and drank well because it's still the same time of year where they're like, you know, slaughtering. Getting ready to like preserve things for the winter kind of thing. Yep. The tradition of the Yule Log also comes from this same time period. While we now recognize the Yule Log as a delicious chocolate dessert designed to look like a log, that is not what it was. It was originally an actual entire tree that people would drag in their house from outside. See Christmas tree. (laughs) That makes sense. I was going to say, I know in some like pagan religions nowadays, they will still cut off like a large portion of branch Mm -hmm. and they end up, at least some of the ones I've seen, they'll kind of put candles on them and kind of almost make them like a centerpiece, but it's still like their Yule log. Okay. Yeah. So this is a little bit different. Um, This sounds like the origins of the actual Christmas tree, but I think now kind of as a standby, they kind of continue to have a log it seems to be a little bit of both because i didn't know about that but that makes sense too once we move on to the next few sentences so the family would you know bring the tree in they would carve symbols onto the wood they would douse it with an offering of wine or ale and they would slowly feed it into their hearth tip first so throughout the day of yule the tree would be burned down to the stump and the ashes were collected for use during the next year's rituals they would also keep the stump, so they basically like would burn it throughout the entire day, all the way down to the stump, and then like stamp out the fire. Okay. And they would keep the stump to start the following year's Yule log fire. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it was like a continuation of. Yeah, it kind of is like this like circle of life kind of. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. I thought it was. Cool. I think that's awesome. I mean, I think feeding your Christmas tree to your fireplace <laughs> is like. A little weird, but honestly, otherwise, I think that's a really cool tradition. It is. I would probably do it outside, but... That makes sense. Anyway, the current day tradition of kissing under the mistletoe also comes from Nordic culture. I totally forgot that was even a tradition. Yeah, it is. The white berries are said to be the tears of the goddess Frigg from when she was weeping over her son. Her son is god Baldor, and he apparently died from eating the poisonous mistletoe. But her grief revived him. So she declared that mistletoe would not cause harm to anyone standing under it. And if two people were under it together, they should share a kiss as a token of affection. Oh, I like that. That's the origins of that. That's I do a too. cool one. I know. I'm sad that someone had to die, but you know, he came He back. was revived by like his mother's love. I know. That's cute. Anyway, so here in America, so now we're moving on to Santa. So that was basically traditions of Christmas. So we've hit like the ancient times. We've hit the Nordic traditions. And now we're coming to the U.S. Now we're coming to Santa. Okay. How Santa came to be a thing. So here in America, we use the term Santa Claus, Father Christmas, and St. Nicholas interchangeably. This is not the case everywhere. 
in Europe, there is a very clear distinction between St. Nicholas and Santa Claus. Santa is the man that shimmies down your chimney, chimney on December 24th and leaves gifts. St. Nicholas is a man that was born in Myra, which is modern day Turkey, around 280 AD. He was born into a wealthy family, but orphaned as a young child. He was then sent to a monastery to be raised and went on to become a chari charitable priest. Okay. When he became orphaned, obviously he inherited his family's wealth, but as a priest, he vowed a life of poverty. So he used his inheritance to help the sick and the poor. Throughout his life, he founded a hospital and he would toss coins into open windows of like people in need. Okay. Kind uh, of Santa Claus-esque. Santa Claus, oh, yeah. Well, this is St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas. Yes, they're different. They're different. Yeah, he's not, different. he's not coming down the chimney with gifts. He's throwing coins in your window. Exactly. St. Nicholas climbed the church ladder. He eventually became the Bishop of Myra. And he is also said to have performed miracles, like restoring a woman's withered hand and bringing three young boys back to life after they were dismembered by a local butcher, which that's a really interesting story. I'm like, I was not <laughs> expecting that to be the end of that sentence. No, I know. But the book that I read for this called The Fright Before Christmas, because yes, I went out and bought it because I'm that person. You know, we were looking at it and anyway. So yeah, I went and bought it, but it tells the whole story. That's kind of a fun story if you want to read that. We'll leave a link to it in our show notes. Absolutely. So when St. Nicholas died on December 6, 340 AD, people started referring to the bishop as a saint. The church didn't officially recognize him as a saint for like centuries after Oh my gosh, death. thank you for putting that part in because I was like, wait, when did he actually become a saint or is he not actually a saint? Right. They... The church pretty much made him a saint to appease the masses. Because they'd people... already been kind of referring to him that way anyway. Exactly. So every year on December 6th, which is my dad's birthday, Aww. they celebrate St. Nicholas Day over in Europe to honor and celebrate St. Nicholas. Nicholas of Myra, Bishop of Myra. As Christianity grew in popularity and their holidays were incorporated into society, the church and government decided that the... Saturnalia celebrations that we discussed earlier were getting a little out of hand, a little too debaucherous. <laughs> Them heathens. Right. So in, we're moving on to 1644. Okay. Uh, English Parliament declared that December 25th was to be a day of fasting and penitence. Oh, that's very different. Very different. The declaration carried over to the colonies of New England, and in 1659, the city of Boston actually banned Christmas. That's weird to think about. <laughs> yeah, they posted a notice banning Christmas, and it read, I put this in here because it's so funny. It read, the observation of Christmas having been deemed a sacrilege, the exchanging of gifts and greetings, dressing in fine clothes, feasting, and similar satanical practices are hereby forbidden, in big letters, with the offender liable to a fine of five shillings. Wow. <laughs> it's just so weird to think about this like holiday that is sometimes contentious among people about, you know feelings toward religion and things like that and how important Christmas is because it's supposed to be the birth of Jesus and all of this stuff and then to think that at some point in time it was just completely banned it's like you're not allowed to celebrate that yep that's crazy I know it's and bizarre. to declare that it's kind of satanic to celebrate it satanical is like what a weird paradox and like 
flip of the switch compared to how things are today. If anyone's wondering, feasting and dressing up in fine clothing is satanical. Those are like two of my favorite things, though. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So I guess we're all heathens. Also, just in case anyone was wondering, five shillings in 1659. Oh, my God. You didn't. (laughs) You did? I not. No. I was like, how did you even convert that? I didn't. But it would have been about three days worth of pay for a skilled tradesman. So, like, that's a hefty fine for celebrating. For wearing your fine clothes and eating a good meal. (laughs) Right. In 1660, so the following year, King Charles II took the throne back and dissolved Parliament. And at this time, he also restored the celebration of Christmas. But Boston held on to its ban until 1681. So it was banned for like 22 years. That's nuts. Isn't it? It's insane. Wow. I never would have ever thought that. I know. Like Boston of all places. Well, I feel like Boston is one of those places that if you go there now, I mean, it's not as big as New York City. It's not like Rockefeller Center with a gigantic right. tree. But you go to Boston in, in December now and it's like Christmas everywhere. There's mm-hmm. like ice skating rinks and like, it's so weird to think about. Yeah. I never would have ever known that. I know. I, when I was reading that, I was like, that is insane. That that's Yeah, cool. that's nuts to think about. Mm-hmm. So now we are going to talk about the creation of Santa Claus, as we have gone through St. Nick. Okay. So for St. Nicholas Day in 1810, a New York philanthropist named John Petard had a painting commissioned to hang at his annual St. Nicholas Day celebration. So like his December 6th celebration. Yes. Okay. So the poster depicted a saintly looking man, bald man. And it had a poem written underneath the picture. The left side had the poem in Dutch. The right side had the poem in English. The Dutch poem has a spelling error. Oh. So St. Nicholas should have been referred to as Sinterklaas on the Dutch side. But when Petard wrote it, he wrote Santa Claus. S-A-N-T-T-E-C-L-A-U-S. Okay. So this... This all came about because of a spelling error? Is yes. that where you're going to go with this? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I I don't know if he did it intentionally, but I kind of feel like maybe he did. He had seen the popularity or the population growing quickly, and people were, like, fighting for jobs, and there was a larger divide between the rich and the poor. So he thought a good way to kind of bridge the gap was to bring back their ancestors' traditions. So the only problem with that was that many people had lost those traditions when they came to America. Okay. So he just decided he was going to create new ones. Interesting. And it worked because today we have a jolly man in a red suit with rosy cheeks sliding down your chimneys (laughs) with sacks of gifts for children and riding off into the moonlight on a sleigh pulled by flying reindeer. Yeah, sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so obviously his, his idea worked because yeah. we got something out of it. That's so crazy. But how did we go from associating the image of a saint with the holiday to this magical man that eats too many cookies? I mean, my first thought was commercialism, but I feel like it, maybe it's different. It's not. It's commercialism. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't realize it actually was. No, it is. So the Jolly Santa Claus that we know today was first described in... 1822 when an Episcopal minister named Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem that he called A Visit from St. Nicholas, which we now know today as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Oh, no way. Okay. Uh, He actually wrote it while he was riding into town to buy a turkey on Christmas Eve. 
And on Christmas Day, he read the poem to his family where one member enjoyed it so much that she wrote it down and and anonymously submitted it to the Troy Centennial paper. And they published it in their December 23rd, 1823 edition a year later. Okay. So I'm following along. That um, was a little bit of a lot, but I got it. But imagine if this, like paper had been lost at the newspaper in the year that it was right just, like, if someone there. was like thanks for this letter and just like put it someplace so they'd remember it the next year and then and pulled then a human and like just totally it forgot just it existed it. we would have a very different christmas than what we have today oh man because in january of 1863 so 40 years later uh, there is a cartoonist named thomas nast and he drew a depiction of santa for harper's weekly using Moore's poem as an inspiration. Okay. Uh, how was he described in Moore's poem? Do we have that information? It's Twas the Night Before Christmas. So Yeah, but I don't know that whole thing. Oh. I just know the beginning. Uh, okay. I-, I can look it up because I don't actually... I know that they describe a jolly man with oh, okay. rosy cheeks. And... Which, I mean, is what he drew. So, I mean, yeah. we're talking about the origins of Santa Claus, and I know what Santa Claus looks like. So I guess <laughs> I do know what he described. I will say, though, I think Twas the Night Before Christmas... And, and all, all through, through the house, house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Stockings are hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nick would soon be there. And then I don't know anything else. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much I all I know. Like, I have the book at home because, like, we read it for the kids around Christmas time. But I don't remember it. But I know that he describes him as, like, a jolly Okay. Fellow. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I don't know any more than what I just <laughs> recited. <laughs> I don't think most people do. So Thomas Nast uses the poem as his inspiration to draw Santa for Harper's Weekly. And over the next 23 years, he draws 32 more pictures for Harper's Weekly to publish. And each picture is a little bit different, but the Santa depicted is almost always a round man with white hair, a long white beard, plump rosy cheeks, you know, like Santa. Yeah. So this guy's basically responsible. I mean, he worked off of somebody else's description, but in terms of like the visual of Santa, Mm -hmm. that's him. Huh. Yes and no. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so fast forward. Like, the plot thickens. <laughs> fast forward to 1931. And, okay. We're um, like much more recent than I would have thought, by the way. Even when you mentioned the, the <laughs> one in the 1980 or 1830s or whatever. 18, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, we just talked about the Weston State Hospital that mm-hmm. was built like not even 50 years later. Like that's mm-hmm. so crazy to think about that it's like that recent. Oh, it gets more recent. Okay, so anyway, we're in the 1930s. <laughs> anyway, 1931, America is in the early years of the Great Depression and companies are trying to get people to spend the money that they don't have. Uh, Naturally. Similar, similar to the recessions <laughs> that we have lived through. <laughs> anyway, the Coca-Cola company has this great idea. They commission a Santa Claus painting by a man named Haddon Sundblom. They liked Thomas Nast's general idea of Santa, but they thought he was a bit too stiff looking and asked Gotta be more jolly. For the jolliest of jolly men. <laughs> yes. So I didn't realize Coca-Cola. I knew Coca-Cola did Santa stuff every year. Coca-Cola is I didn't realize the invention been doing of Santa. it like since the thirties. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So You're blowing over, my mind a little. I, I realize I don't know that much about Santa, evidently. <laughs> I I knew that Santa was a big thing for Coca-Cola because they do like the ads every year with every the polar bears. Every year, yeah. But yeah, so they pretty much started advertising with Santa. Over no the next way. few years, Coca-Cola continues using Santa to advertise during the holidays. And it's working for them because they're making money in a depression. 
I'm not going to lie. I might start putting a Coca-Cola in everybody's stocking now. Like, that's <laughs> nuts. I love that. I love that, too. It has to be the glass bottle. 100%. Yes. And while Coca-Cola is doing this, other companies are starting to realize that no one owns Santa. So they can that's use Santa, so too. That's so true, right? He's just kind of public domain. Yep. So they start advertising using Santa as well, thinking that it'll work for them. I mean, if it's working for Coca-Cola, why not give it a shot? Exactly. And it does, because by 1939, the Great Depression ends and the image of Santa is unified across America. Huh. So Santa wasn't Santa until 1939. That is so bizarre. Like I, this also, so I don't know what year it came out. I think it was the 40s or the 50s, but like the original Miracle on 34th Street. I'm like, oh my goodness, that wasn't that long after the actual like, Creation we solidified of- what Santa Claus looked like. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like you're blowing my mind a little and bit. And then another way to put it in perspective for you. In 1939, Nana was six. So Nana was like old enough. No way. To have seen the consistent image of Santa Claus come about. For those of you who don't know us personally, <laughs> Nana is Jess's grandma. She's awesome. No way. I like I, my mind is a little blown. I'm going to have to like look up all kinds of different things to see what happened before and after <laughs> Santa. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Mind blown. I told you it was a lot more recent than I thought it was. This is, and I can see why you thought it was interesting. This is so crazy. And this is why I went, apparently I went on three pages of Christmas. I thought it was I'm still so into it. It's all good. (laughs) But what if I told you that our jolly old Saint Nick has a more sinister counterpart? Krampus is a half man, half goat demon, usually depicted as a humanoid creature with the legs and tail of a goat, the torso and arms of a human, and the head of a demon. He usually has a long red tongue and devilish horns. The long red tongue is like the thing I always think, like every depiction of Krampus I've ever seen. Has the long red tongue. It's like like a Gene Simmons. It is. It's exactly what it is. And he lives in a mountain lair and only comes out on St. Nicholas Eve to punish the naughty. So today, December 5th. Today, December 5th. I'm keeping track of dates. I don't always do that. The dates sometimes get too much for me. Right. And it's also my mom's birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I hope Krampus doesn't ruin your birthday. (laughs) If he hasn't yet, I think you're safe. No, he comes tonight. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Comes at night. There's still time. Anyway. <laughs> His image seems to come from the Greek god Pan, who was also a half man, half beast with goat horns and legs that ended in cloven hooves. He carried a flute. Does Krampus carry a flute? Krampus does not carry a flute. He carries a basket. This makes sense because the devil is also modeled after Pan's image, and they're both kind of used to balance their good counterparts. I don't think I ever realized that the devil was... I guess I didn't know which came first, the devil or Pan. Pan. Huh. Yep. Um, Hmm. The devil is actually a lot more recent than I anticipated it to be, too. Now that I've learned that about Santa, I'm not surprised. Because because in the Bible, they don't really refer to the devil in the Old Testament. I didn't know that. The serpent is believed to be the devil, but like the idea of the devil wasn't in there. Anyway, <laughs> that's for a different episode different sometime. Episode. For a different podcast. <laughs> for our, not for, for our non-existent theology podcast. <laughs> Krampus's name comes from the German word Krampen, which means claw. And I don't understand this because goats have hooves, not claws. But okay. <laughs> Does he have claws? No, he has, he has hooves. On his feet? Does he have claws on his hands? I, he's not really described as having claws. Okay. He I just figured claws. I would ask. I don't know. Now I'm trying to think of all the pictures I looked at. Did he have claws? I don't think he did. Anyway, he carries chains and a bundle of branches around with him. 
and he is sometimes seen carrying a basket strapped to his back. Oh, I've seen that a few times. Mm -hmm. It's believed that he is the son of the Norse god Hel, or Heel, it's H-E-L. H-E-L, yeah. um, Who is the ruler of the underworld, obviously. And his purpose is to punish misbehaving children. That's a very, like, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, except he's not Santa, he's Krampus. Exactly. How does he punish these children? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Jess, how does he punish these children? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. The early tellings of Krampus have him traveling with St. Nicholas on Krampus Knot. I'm sorry, German is hard for me. Uh, German is hard for me, too. It's Krampus Night. It translates to Krampus Night, which, as we discussed, is today, December 5th, and my mom's birthday. Again, I hope Krampus doesn't ruin your birthday night. She's not a misbehaving child. She's not a misbehaving child. I'm sure she's fine. I mean, sometimes she acts like a misbehaving child with my misbehaving childs, um, but that's what grandmas do. So (laughs) I think she should just leave out a shot for Krampus. I'm assuming he doesn't drink milk. I don't think so. Um, Yeah, his diet is very different from Santa. Anyway, so Krampus and St. Nicholas go around together on the night of December 5th into the early morning of December 6th. In case anyone's following, it's both my parents' birthdays. Oh my goodness, it is, isn't it? (laughs) So strange. So they go around and they deem whether or not these children were good or bad throughout the year. So Santa. Okay. St. Nicholas would leave the good children gifts and treats. But when they were deemed to be misbehaving children, Krampus would beat them with branches and sticks. So was this honest question? I know I've had the giggles a few times today, but honest question. Was this tradition happening at the same time as Santa December 25th traditions as well? Or were kids getting gifts from St. Nick on the 6th and that was kind of it for the holiday? So the St. Nicholas... Because I know you said they were different. St. Nicholas and Santa were different. So St. Nicholas is still really big in in Europe. He's still celebrated today over there. They have like St. Nicholas parades and everything. Yeah. The Santa's more of like an American kind of thing. Okay. Because I was wondering like, did the... I guess the, the question came from... Did you get, do you get a gift on December 6th and then also get gifts from Santa on the 25th or was like, I think you kind of like celebrate one or the other. Like I don't think you do both. Okay, Um, cool. Because they're kind of the same thing. They're just on different days. Yeah. So after Krampus was done beating these bad children with branches and sticks. Which is very intimidating. A story to tell your children, like you better behave. The especially bad children were stuffed into Krampus's basket on his back and they would be taken back to his mountain lair and eaten. What? What? <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. Like, can you, I can't imagine, if, if I was a child and my parents told me this story, I would be terrified and so, I mean, I was already a straight-laced kid, but yeah. oh my goodness. You well, better behave or Krampus is going to go eat you. Like, what? what? I know. <laughs> so why isn't Krampus a bigger deal? At least in the U.S. It sounds like he's still kind of a big deal. Don't they have... Are you going to talk about the festivals for Krampus? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, because I was going to say, I was pretty sure they had festivals for Krampus in They do, Europe. but it's more of like a modern thing. So like Krampus isn't really even a huge thing over in Europe anymore. Oh, has he fallen out of like favor? St. Nick, yeah. During the 12th and 13th centuries, when the idea of Krampus living in the shadows was first emerging in like small villages, the Christian church was also creating the concept of the devil. Oh, we were like too closely aligned. We were too we? close. And so instead of working together, the church decided that they would shut down Krampus in favor of their creation, the devil. 
Okay. So they claim that Krampus represented the darker side of society in a glorified manner, whereas the devil was more of like a punishment thing, which like okay. I, I don't see it, but that's how they spun it. Yeah. The idea of the devil took off globally and Krampus kind of just stayed in, you know, a small portion of Europe. like the, Kind of the portions of Europe that are more like involved with their folklore and things like that. It yeah. So like. like Germany, Austria, Hungary, Bavaria, Slovenia, Czechoslovakia, like those kind of places. He still kind of mm-hmm. stayed a thing in like okay. the villages. But for the most part, from what I understand, he, you know, didn't really take off. He was a thing, and then they shut him down, and he's just now starting to become a thing again. Krampus got canceled. Krampus got canceled. Krampus continued on as part of the regional traditions until World Wars One and Two happened. Really? Because war. Well, I mean, yes. I guess for me, I was kind of surprised he was still around that long. Yeah. So... It'll make sense in a minute. So when the war dust finally settled, the American Santa had kind of made his way overseas. Okay, I could totally see that being a thing. That and feels it was right. Taking the limelight from like Krampus and Santa. So that's Krampus why. and Saint Nick. Yep, Krampus and Saint Nicholas. I'm sorry. Thank we you. We live in a culture where they're so like the same they're thing. They're the same thing. Yeah, but they're not. So some communities held on to the Krampus tradition, and the communities that did hold on to it, they really held on to it. In the towns where they still celebrated it, like after the wars, there would be a group of people from the town that would dress up as Krampus on Krampus night and go up and down the streets visiting children. Yes. So I've heard of more modern day Krampus parades that sound like that was maybe the origin of them. Yes. When I was reading, doing my research, there was a story that the author had like interviewed somebody and his mom had grown up in Austria. So she brought the Krampus tradition over and like a family member or a friend of the family or something would dress up as Krampus and come to their house and like scare this poor child every single year. <laughs> oh my God, that would ruin me for life as a child. Right? Oh my goodness. He's like, of course I never got beaten with branches, but like, it's no, scared me enough to, to be at, good. <laughs> you look at your window and there's like a demon looking in at you. Oh my God. Yeah, so that, I mean, you know, that's fun. Krampus didn't actually make like a global return until the early 2000s. Thank you, internet. Okay, yeah, that might, I think that's kind of around when my knowledge of Krampus Mm -hmm. began. Krampus parades from Europe were streamed worldwide on YouTube, so people from all over the world could like see this kind of different tradition. I will be now looking for one tonight, so. Stories and legends were posted on like creepy Christmas forums talking about Krampus and Krampus managed to capture the attention of the American entertainment industry. Yes, we do have a couple Krampus movies, don't we? We do. There's a movie called Krampus with what is it, Tony Collette and Adam Scott? Yes. I liked it. Um, I haven't so that one's been on my list for a few years. I've wanted to see it. I really love Tony Collette, but I associate Adam Scott with comedy and I'm like, I know what is weird. this movie that is it funny? Is it not? I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but if I remember correctly, it is like one of those like comedy horrors. Okay, cool. I mean, I can get behind those. I love those. Um, it would, I, I'll watch anything with Adam Scott in it. So <laughs> I feel that way about Tony Collette. So uh, what's that movie? Hereditary was very disappointing. 100%. I could literally do an entire hour-long podcast on all the ways that Hereditary let me down. <laughs> like, I watched it because I love Tony Collette, and I was just like, well, that's at the bottom of my list of horror movies, but I digress. Yes. Back to Krampus. Yes. Like, the actual Krampus, not the movie Krampus. So Krampus is now celebrated as, like, a more watered-down version, kind of, across the world. Like He doesn't he's becoming... eat children anymore? Not really. I know. 
it's disappointing. So it's becoming like a thing more globally now. So it's not like just stuck to those regions of yeah. like the Nordic dark Nordic. all the time. Yeah. There's Krampus parades where people will dress up in elaborate costumes and use branch bundles to swat at spectators' feet. Basically, this is to hit the bad spirits away. They don't do it to hurt them. It's kind of just yeah. like swatting the spirits away. Okay. So like we've moved on from beating kids to like like sweeping almost. Yeah. Sweeping your spirits out of your feet. So watered down very much. <laughs> but these costumes are like insanely elaborate. They're so cool. So like when I first learned what Krampus was, it was stumbling upon something about a Krampus parade. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, if you have any interest in any of what we're talking about, you should check them out because some of the costumes are so cool. Like, they are. So, so cool. Most of, like, the really elaborate ones are made from, like, Austrian pine. Like, they're wooden masks. And okay. they're all, like, handmade. I feel like a lot of them come from the Krampus Museum in Austria from what I understand. Um, But there are other people that will like make them, but they're like hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars, depending on what you want. They're like works of art. They're creepy works of art, but they're (laughs) works of art. They're cool. And you can like customize it, like because they're all handmade. So like if you want your horns to look one way, like you just tell whoever's making it, like I want the horns to look like this. Or like if you want, you know, a certain feature on it, like they'll put it on it. That's Um, so cool. But like I said, there's a Krampus Museum in Austria and they have you can go on their website they don't have like a ton of pictures on the website but the pictures they do have like you can kind of see like how elaborate like the costumes are that's cool i wonder if you can also kind of see an evolution of different looks for krampus as not they really come in and out. yeah they don't have like that many pictures but they have like a wall full of masks in one of the pictures that you can kind of look at all the different ones and they were yeah. all like handmade by the museum's like curator that's so cool um, yeah it was a fun story that i read about like how the museum came to be like the mayor of the city in austria like wanted something for like to hold on to like krampus tradition so he basically like gave the keys to this old factory to someone that was like into krampus and made krampus masks and now it's like this huge museum that's awesome where they make like custom pieces and then they display the costumes so they I think they make like the entire costume there, so like not just the masks, okay, but like yeah. the rest of the costume, because like those get elaborate too with like the fur and the, they the, really the, do. They're so cool. So the costumes are displayed all over the museum, and they are also used in the annual Krampus parade. That's cool. That's awesome. I love it. I think that's so cool. I love it so much. There's also a Krampus Society of New, New England out of Providence, Rhode Island. Of course there is. Which I just learned about, and they hold a Krampus gathering every year, and I need to go. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and I need to go. I did not know this was a thing until, again, I was reading this book, and the, the author of the book had actually gone to one. No and, way. Yeah, he was like, I don't know what I was expecting, like just a bunch of people dressed up as Krampus, and like that's pretty much what I got, but it was so much more than that. There's one guy I think that he said goes every year and dresses up as Saint Nick because like they you need one yeah and like nobody else dresses up as Saint Nick like he's the only one and everybody else is in like Krampus it's fun oh my gosh that sounds awesome and it's for all ages so I guess you can bring kids (laughs) who's that mom well he's gonna eat you if you misbehave (laughs) he'll eat you on Yaya's birthday okay (laughs) be good. Just behave. I feel like one of my kids would like that far more than the other one. Uh, 100% you would completely (laughs) traumatize the other one. Uh, I'm awful because I really want to do it. Anyway, so if you don't think that the Krampus phenomena was here before the internet, though, 
I personally believe that you would be very wrong. Because does anybody remember a cute rhyming children's book about a grumpy furry creature that watches and wishes holiday doom on a small mountain town from his lair atop Mount Crumpet? I do. (laughs) It's my favorite. And I went to go see the musical. Did you? I love Mm -hmm. that. So I was actually watching The Grinch when I was researching this and writing it. Did you put two and two together? Uh, not really. So, all right. So I was watching it. Because I'm not going to lie. Like, as soon as you started <laughs> describing him, I knew where, I was like, I know where the Grinch came from. I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but it feels like a happier version of Krampus the Christmas Monster. I feel like it was like a, let's make this grumpy Christmas thing. Let's base him off Krampus, but mm-hmm. not make him eat children. Fair. But yeah, so I was watching, I wasn't watching The Grinch, my son was watching The Grinch, and... The animated one, or the Jim Carrey one, or the new animated one? Is it the animated one with Jim Carrey? Because I know Jim Carrey does the live one, but I think he does the voice The newer the animated, animated one, I think. It's yeah. that one. He really, my son really likes that one. I haven't seen one. that one. It's cute. I, I am a, I'm a Grinch lover, but I am very much like original, like mm. OG, that's my favorite. No, it's the, it's the newer cartoon one cool it's cute you should watch it but anyway so it was at the part where like they're talking about the Grinch living on Mount Crumpet and I'm like reading this book and I hear it and I'm like hmm that's interesting it's like that sounds like Krampus (laughs) it does I I still did not put two and two together until like the next paragraph after I heard like Mount Crumpet the next paragraph that I read was the author talking about how he thought the Grinch was based off Krampus. And then I mean, like, he's like, oh my God, of, it makes sense. He's got like <laughs> hair. He's like a little goat-ish in some ways. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yep. I, had I to like, like it. Actually read it. Someone else had to put that idea in my head, but I was like, hmm, that's weird that they call it Mount Crumpet. <laughs> I like it. Although, you know, you probably wouldn't have known from like reading it because I'm sure that like Dr. Seuss rhymed it with like trumpet and you just thought, oh, it just rhymes. Right. Exactly. But no, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, oh, so like we did grow up with Krampus, but not really. <laughs> grew up with a version. So yeah, the Krampus phenomena is still growing. It's still like new. It's, well, it's, it kind of sounds like with the advent of the internet, it's it's got a bit more of like a, a global mm-hmm. eye on it. I wouldn't be surprised if there are people that start incorporating it into their Christmas traditions. Yeah. So I am interested to see where it goes. And I also would love to bring it into my Christmas traditions, but my husband would never let me. <laughs> I was Ever. like, I have a chance. You do have a chance. Um, I don't. My my ship has sailed. I feel like it would be a lot more useful as a scare tactic for kids than I'm calling Santa. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, they have like apps that you can call Santa. I was just thinking it would be kind of cool to do like, so, you know, I, I don't actually know this for sure. You might know better than me, so correct me if I am incorrect but so like the whole idea of the elf on the shelf right is that he like keeps an eye on you and reports back to Santa yes I think it would be cool to have like Krampus and Saint Nick come on the fifth six myths Mm -hmm. and they at that point determine whether or not you're getting Christmas gifts whether you're good or bad then if you're good Saint Nick leaves you like a dollar like tooth fairy style Mm -hmm. on the sixth and then Ooh, like you a get gold your coin, gift. like That's a dollar coin. Yeah. I love it. And then Santa comes on like Christmas, Christmas, like the 25th. Do you think it's too late to change Christmas? I think if your husband house? was behind it, you'd be like, so, <laughs> so I did some talking to Santa Claus and I found out, did you know, I think you could do it. I would love it. I support this. Anybody who wants to take that idea, do it. Do it. 
But yeah, so I just, I think it's really interesting how Christmas, like, evolved. I think, to me, that's been and the most exciting part of this episode. Is and it's, like, like still evolving, because it's, yeah. like, way newer than I had anticipated. It. Like, the idea of, like, Christmas that yeah, we have. Yeah, it's, it's way newer than I realized as well. Like, I'm I'm really, I love winter traditions anyway. Like, this was awesome. I don't know why I didn't know more about Krampus before now, but, like, I'm so excited to have learned everything you brought to the table today. I was very happy to bring it. You should definitely read The Fright Before Christmas by I plan on Jeff Bellinger. I will yeah. let you borrow it. I haven't finished it yet because it doesn't just talk about Krampus. So it goes into like the Christmas tradition and then they talk about Krampus and there's like a whole bunch of other like winter monsters. Oh um, my goodness. Finish it up from... and pass it my way. I know. I need to finish it because I was like, then I was going to move this on to like, I was going to change it from Krampus to like Krampus and other Christmas creatures. And then I realized that it would be like a three episode thing well if you want to do that for the last two episodes of the season you're welcome to i mean i could because i'm i'm struggling a little bit with my <laughs> with my last two i think it would be seasonal <laughs> it would be appropriate and i would be so into it i i don't know what it is about like so even this is totally a side note but like at my house we do a bunch of nordic christmas traditions mm-hmm. like um we do a danish christmas countdown uh, candle every year we do Jord Bokaflod which is a Norwegian or I think it's Norwegian um, maybe Swedish tradition of exchanging books on Christmas Eve like mm-hmm. at my house we love Christmas traditions I love, love them so like I would love to hear more about these monsters I cannot wait to read this book you know I might I might have to revamp my last couple episodes it's entirely at your discretion I'm or at least so one of them Cause yeah, I don't know why, but like, I'm so excited about like the next topic I have, but I'm struggling so much to get it done. I'm oh, no. struggling. I hate when that happens. I've had a few of those. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's anyway, wrap it up wrap on it up. Krampus. Yeah. And, so uh, that was Krampus. Um, I'm so excited. And we'll be back next week with maybe some more Christmas monsters or maybe something else. I don't know. I, I love it. I, <laughs> I, I love the mystery of not knowing. It would um, be a surprise for everyone. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for telling us all about Krampus and the history of Santa and holiday traditions. I love it. I'm so glad that you love it. I was really excited about that. I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye.